When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List, podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson. And I am your host, Jake Mache. And today we're officially in the second month of the baseball regular season. Today we're talking about Mayflowers. So we're talking about prospects that we think are ready to bloom, prospects that uh, should be catching some more helium, and some players that we think that you should get to know. Uh, as always, before we jump into our topic, we want to cover this week in baseball. First things first, we had a tremendous uh, prospect, uh, rookie, pitching duel, Miller versus Miller, uh, Mason Miller for the A's, Bryce Miller for the Mariners uh, this past Tuesday. And uh, Mason Miller, obviously, um, is what, I guess, third start that, that would be in his um, career, Bryce Miller's debut. Uh and it was it was tremendous. So just a quick rundown before we start kind of digging into it. Mason Miller put up seven innings of no hit ball, six strikeouts, did have four walks. And that really seemed to to be the um, the indicator uh, uh, as far as why he wasn't going further in that game. Obviously, you know about Mason Miller's um, sort of truncated uh, minor league career. Uh, as well as kind of his collegiate career as well. Not a lot of innings on his arm overall due to injury and the like. So um, that I'm sure played a factor overall. Every sort of start is new for him, right? It's a lot of on-the-job training for him, uh, but also giving up those four walks, and he talked about it in a post-game interview as well, um, was most likely what hampered any chance that he had to kind of finish out uh, his effort of, of no-hitting the Mariners. And then we had Bryce Miller on the other in six innings pitch, one in a run, two hits, no walks, 10 strikeouts. Um, Jake, Miller and Miller, violence. Uh, what did you, you think? <laughs> Man, it was awesome. That was so much fun to, to watch that game. Um, it was, And that was probably the most fun I've had watching the A's play this year. So that's <laughs> that's always a nice bonus that you all 30 teams are interesting in some way. Um, but so with Mason Miller first, um, he had he generated i just had it here uh 13 whiffs and so that's pretty solid um csw is a 23% didn't get a lot of chases outside of the zone only at 20% so like mm-hmm. those kind of numbers there are like iffy and i think um i think it was just kind of like the command kind of bit him early mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he seemed to get better as the game went on like he yes. his last like two innings were like lights out yes. um and like he even said that he didn't know if he was going to come out for the 7th and mm-hmm. he came out and like like blew the doors off the guys like it was awesome so um that was really encouraging that not only did he go seven innings because i i didn't think we would see him go seven for a while probably um but he didn't like lose his command didn't like really lose um like a ton of velo or anything down the stretch like he just seemed like he got better as the game went on um got better command of his pitches and whatnot um so yeah so he was good um i admittedly wasn't paying as much attention to him 
as Bryce because it was like Bryce's major league debut. And then I, I think like halfway through, I was like, oh man, Mason hasn't given up a hit yet. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and Bryce Miller, he threw 70% fastballs, mm-hmm. which you can get away with when you have um, one of the best fastballs, it looks like, in the game right out of the gate. Like he, um, the velo on it was, let's see, average at 95.3, maxed out at 97.3. Um, but the, what makes it so good is the shape Mm. it is, um, it doesn't drop. It's a, it's a really fantastic rising fastball. Um, the, I don't have the exact, uh, I guess numbers for like vertical approach angle and whatnot, but I was seeing some tweets that were like, this is like a Spencer Strider shape fastball. Uh, obviously Strider has the velo added to his. And so like that takes his up a notch, but like he can get away with 70% more than, you know, more than a lot of guys could. I still would probably like him to see, or uh, like to see him kind of mix in those other, those off speed pitches and whatnot more, but it was also his major league debut. I mean, I'm yeah. sure he was pumped. He was just, he was throwing gas, you know, keeping so. it, keep it a simple game plan. Um, right. Not really the, uh, the most prodigious of, of offenses. Uh, right. Athletics. So yeah, yeah, I can see him just being like, Hey, let's, let's keep it simple. Stick with what works. Fastball got us here. Um, right. And that being a big part of the game plan. Um, yeah, so he was he was good. He had like a I just did the math. It was a sixteen percent swinging strike rate, thirty eight percent CSW. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to get Miller on a on a team or two this weekend. Yes, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, well, we're recording on a Sunday, so you know, get your get your fab ready for for your fab run. Um, if you're when you're hearing uh, this, uh, if you didn't already have. No, Bryce Miller kind of circled or, or highlighted. I, I don't really know what to tell you. I don't know why you're listening to our podcast and like what what are we doing here? Um, jumping back to Mason, obviously I, I've been a, a Mason Miller you know fan and and I've been on the record in multiple places about it. I think watching him, I, I agree 100. percent I never thought he would get seven innings at all this year. Right. Like I figured yeah. they would just cap him four, five tops keep it 70 80 pitches and and just wherever he was around that time he's getting pulled uh so 100 like seeing him go seven innings strong velo was there uh throughout like that's very encouraging and the command piece i think what i've noticed watching his starts and i think i've watched like again this was the third i want to say of his major league start so i watched the debut um the second one I did not see live and then watching this one. What I've noticed is mechanically, it just seems like release point finishing, like that's where the command piece comes in. Control is actually pretty good as far as like he can get in the strike zone. And the edges. Right. He pounds the just, shadow. It's just the like you can see when he yanks a pitch, you can almost kind of tell. Yeah. I kind of think so again, I apologize, but I think a lot about basketball. Um, I, I do a lot of cross sports sort of analogies in my head. So I apologize. I think a lot about basketball, like there's jump shooters where this is why I, like Ray Allen to me was always the best jump shooter I saw until I saw Clay Thompson, because every time the ball was coming out of his hand, even when I saw him shoot air balls, it looked like it was going in just because his form release point, everything was so mechanically sound and so the same consistent every time until I saw Clay Thompson and like, that's all on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And so there's pictures that you can see where it's just like, you can see mechanically that ball, like it's not going where they want it to go on before the ball even comes off the hand. You can kind of tell. 
and he's still in that in that zone where you can tell he's going to yank a slider or the fastball is going to get away from him and it's going to kind of go further up the zone than where the catcher set up and some of those those things but again a lot of this i chalk up to is a lot of on the job learning a he's a young pitcher in general and then when you think about like i said that condensed timeline that he's on as far as innings logged especially in the professional setting it's like he's going to have to figure it out as he goes and seeing him real time figure it out and not let the no hitter thing really it didn't seem like that was really getting to him right of like oh i gotta be fine and i can't let any sort of contact and he was just going just right. going and just not going that he like didn't care about it, but he really just seemed like, hey, I'm yeah. just gonna pitch. I'm just yeah. gonna pitch my game. Like, I, and he, even the way he talked about it in the post game was like, like, listen, I'd rather you know be healthy for a full full season than like blow it out right now just yeah. for this one. You know, like he seems like he has a, a really good mentality around that. So that yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Um. And then Bryce Miller. I mean, t- t- the proof is in the pudding. Like thinking about the Mariners with uh, Bryce Miller, um, a Logan Gilbert, a George Kirby. Luis Castillo obviously is still that like they really um are a team that I don't think you want to see it, they kind of remind me of the Braves as far as like they may not be league leaders all the time but they're not a team that anybody wants to face in in the postseason like in the short series you don't want to see that team just they have too much and from a pitching standpoint they have too much from the starters and then when you get into that bullpen it's like I, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, if you get somebody else, I'd rather not. Yeah. Um, so we go from oh, yeah. the good to the not so much good. Um, and so we had some more debuts. We had Brandon Fott of uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. We had Gavin Stone of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Two additional highly anticipated debuts did not go the way that they would want their managers uh, in fantasy or in real life would have wanted uh, in either event. Uh, we were talking off mic about fight. I said I'll be, you know, in a, a fight apologist. You were saying kind of similarly. Um, it was ugly. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, but within that, I would say I'm not worried if I, I don't have Brandon Fott on any of my teams, unfortunately, I would say. Um, but I, 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 I'm not panicking if I'm in Dynasty. Now, redraft. I can I can understand like whoa wait <laughs> I I was planning for a different result and you kind of have to reconsider but in a dynasty standpoint I'm not panicking um fly balls are part of his profile so the home run piece that's gonna you know that's gonna show up I think we were spoiled especially because their debuts uh, both Fott and Stone came right after this Miller duel that we had earlier in the week so we we're all kind of already kind of being spoiled to seeing like pitching excellence so to speak. Um, and then we forget, oh yeah, rookie pitchers, it can be hard to pitch in the major league, especially if yeah. you come out. Uh and the Rangers, like that's the other thing too. Like Bryce Miller gets um the Oakland A's, who ironically, since that uh since that game have looked a little bit more uh, you know, have a little bit more life about them, but they're still the A's. They still don't have a whole lot going on offensively in their lineup. Mason Miller gets a Seattle Mariners lineup that did not have Julio Rodriguez in it because he was getting rest from a, a little injury, uh, you know, a little bit of banged upness earlier in the in the week. Uh, so he was being rested. So you don't have the Mariners lineup at their full potential. Five got the Texas Rangers, and I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the Rangers are mashers. Pitching wise, it's a little touch and go, but they hit the snot out the ball. Simeon's yeah. looking really good. Josh Young's looking really good. Jonah um, Heim taking the big step forward. Oh, I have Jonah Heim. 
Let me tell you yeah. about how Jonah Heim is apparently my most most valuable position player <laughs> for some reason. I mean, they have guys through the lineup that are looking really good offensively. And yeah. so it's really tough. And they were in – were they in Arizona or were they in Globe Life? I want to say they were in Globe Life. Uh, I got it here. With the with the um with the roof open. Yeah, they were in Globe Life. Yeah, with the roof open. So it's just like it's not completely apples to apples there. Um right. but I get it. You know, we, we were expecting something else. And I think there was kind of a um the uh the reverb of all the fought hype. And then we started to see as he was getting close to being called up of a lot of people and sort of being like, ah, he's not really that good. Ah, uh, the fastball shape is not. I uh, I don't really get. And it was kind of like uh, okay, it was kind of like the backlash to the backlash sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I fought uh, I, again. I'm not overly concerned. It was an ugly start. I don't get concerned until I, until I start to see multiple ugly starts that, especially that look like this. Um, yeah. Because then, okay, now we're talking about a pattern. But even if he does have another start where let's say the command isn't there, okay, cool. You're going to have starts where the walks are going to pile up, like. I think Fod is very good. I continue to think that he's very good, but I'm not, uh, you know, under any circumstances thinking that he was going to come up and um, just completely dominate all the way through. Like, I, I, yeah. I never think that about any pitcher uh, mm-hmm. pro- prospect, whether it was Grayson, whether it was uh, Bybee, like none of them. Anytime it happens, it's like, oh, it's like found money. But I never anticipate that because, you know, unless it's a really good matchup for the pitcher like why would i it's really hard to pitch in the major leagues yeah and and then nothing he he did really i think surprised me at least because so we knew we knew that he was a fly ball pitcher mm-hmm. like he gave up a few homers that's fine uh we knew that his slider was his best pitch and that his fastball was mostly like command pitch like not like a huge and like he averaged 93.5 velo on the fastball uh, only got one whiff on it, uh, average CSW, um, but like it, he threw it 62% of the time. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe he just throws that way too much because right. it's not great. And I think Eno Sarah said that he had a 99 stuff plus on it, which is like serviceable if you have that wipeout slider, which he does. Right. And um, if you mix it in a way where you're not right. overly blinded, because if you think about, you said he threw it uh, 60% of the time. 62, yeah. 62. So if you're thinking about that's getting, you know, uh, uh, closer uh, to what we were just talking about with Bryce Miller. Now, Bryce Miller was at, you know, even more extreme with it being 70%, but you're talking about 60 plus percent of the time. Well, you really need that pitch to get really good results if you're going to lean on it. Right. I, so, I don't think it's quite that level. I don't think you can get away with that with major league hitters, you know, so I think we'll have to tweak that a little bit, but, but his slider was just about as advertised, you know, 35% CSW uh, looks have- like, do you have whips. contact rates uh, up in front of uh, you? Yeah, pitch? for zone contact on the slider was 50. Um, and then, uh, yeah, zone contact 50, outside contact 100 on the slider. And it wasn't – it was hit pretty hard, but I don't know how many events that is. Um, oh, two balls in play and an average exit velocity of 101. So, like, whatever. Right. And then what about uh, fastball? Fastball, zone contact 95%. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So some things that, you know, can easily can definitely be worked on. I shouldn't say easily, right. but should definitely be highlighted and worked on. Yeah. Um, it's like you could see where the where the profile is is good, you know, mm-hmm. like rely on the slider, throw it a little bit more, 
use the fastball because he like locates his fastball well. That's like the I think the bread and butter of that pitch is like lo- using it in good location. So if you can locate the fastball well, and get in some good counts, and you rely on the slider to like do most of the work for you. Like and a- another thing was that we knew Brandon fought through a ton of innings last year, mm. and so he's he was someone who we could rely on for bulk like he's not really probably gonna have an innings cap doesn't have an injury history at least recently like doesn't um isn't like a huge risk in that sense and he came up he threw 87 pitches i think it was only like 4.2 innings or something but Mm -hmm. like he can go deep into games and he'll get the chance in the rotation like they got rid of mad bum um you know both ryan nelson and Drake jameson have been meh jameson was just sent back down um nelson hurts me by the way um yeah. he just the strikeouts have not been there he hasn't yeah. been bad starting but like today. The strikeouts starting today we'll have to keep an eye see what's yeah up. but anyway um he, he's gonna have the opportunity he's gonna be able to give you bulk and i think that if he kind of tweaks his pitch mix a little bit i think it'll be fine yeah um now talk, I, i'm gonna lean on you to talk to me about stone because i did not see stones um start at all so i know i i heard and uh um read that the results obviously not uh what what we were thinking of um, and, and again, with Stone, it was kind of very similar where people saying, well, changeup is, is his pitch, but how much can he rely on that at the major league level? It might not get the results that you think right. it's going to get. So and what was what was really concerning about it was that the changeup gave him the worst results mm. of his of his pitches. And that was like a huge red flag for me. Um, he had an 86 percent zone contact on the changeup, a 19 percent chase rate on the changeup and a 15 percent CSW. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, and he threw it 43% of the time through the fastball 45 and the fastball wasn't too much better. Um, but it just like, didn't get hit quite as hard. Um, he also, yeah, 11 balls in play on the changeup with an average exit velocity of 91 and a half. And that's by far the highest of the, of the pitches. So like, that's a, that's a big red flag. That's unfortunate. Cause like the changeup is like his, his bread and butter. He's always been a changeup guy. And, um, and the, bad thing about that is like he doesn't really have the opportunity to work through it like Fott does like Bobby Miller is back he's coming mm-hmm. um and he's only as of this recording of the podcast he's only made two starts five total innings pitched the second start was horrible because he had some really bad defense behind him and created some long innings big pitch counts and didn't make it out of the second um but like kind of under and runs and so that was just kind of rough for the second go out. But like, I think that he's going to get into a groove. And I think that if, if stone doesn't get together, I think we'll see Bobby Miller by the end of the month. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got Miller. I mean, if you just think about arm, so, so right. just, I'm not even talking about upside or fantasy standpoint or anything like that. Miller's there. Grove coming back from injury who has been at least a plug, you know, a plug and play type of arm, even if the results haven't been great. Uh, you look a little bit further down, Landon Knack's still uh, around, even though I, I have Knack and I like him, but I have a feeling, especially with, and I hate to say this, but like his body type, I have a, a feeling that he's going to end up being a much better reliever than starter. But like you have Knack, um, there's one other, there's a name that's that's out there that I'm missing that's not Miller or Knack or Grove or Stone. There's somebody else, and again, you're yelling, you're yelling at me, this name, and I can't think of who it is. But there's at least one more uh, pitcher that that could push their way into um, pitching for the Dodgers sometime this year, or or maybe I'm making it up. Um, the point still standing, right, is is what you're saying with Gavin because of the team context. That turnaround is a lot faster than it is for um, Fott, where they pretty much like. Mm-hmm. 
here's the comfy landing zone, right? Like we've cleared out the lane, we've cleared out space. Mad Bum's not there, don't have to worry about that. Jameson's Jameson and Nelson, like we'll have to figure out them kind of almost in their own column. This is just you got a spot in the rotation. You're up yep. for good. You like you do your thing. Um, and that, you know, that's that's big for any sort of young player, definitely for pitchers, because of their routine and and you know, rest and things of that nature to just know, hey, I'm just gonna have to figure it out. I'm gonna work with the catcher. We're hearing, we're hearing a lot about uh, you know, pitching staffs working with catchers, thanks to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, and, and what's going on there? Um, but yeah, you know, it's just like I, I get a chance to work with the pitching coach, work with the catcher. Yeah, Brett Strom. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. um that that, you know, that's night and day. Yeah. Uh, and was the was the guy that you were trying to think of, was that Nick Frasso? There we go. Yep. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Um, by the way, for anybody that was yelling at us last week, it was cartography and cartographer. <laughs> I had multiple people think me. Jake figured it out after we recorded. But thank you for letting me know. It was cartographer that I was trying to think of. Um, I, I am smart, I promise you. Um, so, uh, yes, Frasso is the other name that I was thinking of. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, more fringe as far as uh, making a 2023 debut. But again, the talent yeah. is there. And so, yeah. you know, your point is, is there. Uh, Jake, as far as there's pe- multiple arms that are pushing, and so if Stone isn't showing it, then like they can go somewhere else quite easily because they're the Dodgers. Um, and that, again, that says nothing of if they look out on the market and say, "Hey, we can go after you know this arm from this other team," uh, and package a bunch of guys together and ship them over there and grab them. So, one last uh, pitching debut because Lord knows this is the season of of rookie pitchers and we just keep getting them not complaining at all awesome. yeah, yeah not complaining at all but one more uh interesting story this is jp france uh of the houston astros made his uh major league debut last night against the seattle mariners as well really good game overall uh if you if you were able to, to stay up and watch um houston gave that one no away. that was actually a horrible game lamar and i'll tell you why okay because i had i have paul seawald on like two or three of my high stakes leagues with mm-hmm. just within saves leagues. And it was oh, the roller coaster of emotions that I was feeling was brutal. Like for them to come back and tie it and be like, Oh, maybe Seawald gets a mm-hmm. win or he comes in for a save later or something. And then they took the lead and it's like, Oh my God, he can come in for the save. And then right. they scored again. And I was like, okay, good. More run support. And he right. scored again. And I was like, okay, please stop. Stop. <laughs> and it was one base hit too much. And oh. then they immediately ended the inning and he came in and he gave up two runs oh. within a four run cushion, gave up two runs. So not only did I not get the save, but he gave up two runs in go. that inning as well, so that was Ray brutal. Great bit. game overall, though. Yes, yes, for the for the for the non gamblers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, no, no. So, um, it, it was really interesting to watch uh, JP France, and and so I was telling Jake off mic. Um, one of the um subreddit discourse that I was in, there was we were kind of debating earlier in the week once that. Uh, announcement was made that he was going to be called up and this is before the uh, Luis Garcia news so we knew he was going to be called up because Garcia and Urquidy had both gotten hurt and they obviously needed somebody to pitch um, it was kind of anticipated after Garcia got hurt that it might be I might have my order there but whoever the first Astros pitcher that got hurt there was a little bit of um, talk that it might be France anyway just because his age he's 28 years old he's already in AAA like it all kind of lines up. They need somebody to eat the innings. Uh, next, Houston Astros pitcher gets hurt. Okay, we definitely need somebody. It's most likely going to be French, like 99% sure. Okay, what's his fantasy upside? 
And it was like, well, you know, he's 28, so it's not an age thing um, as far as, uh, you know, any sort of appeal. He has four or five pitches. Okay, cool. None of them are, you know, plus plus really jumping out at you. They all are pretty okay. Um, and then he's always had a walk issue. Like even even now this year, he's gotten better um, and definitely has increased his strikeouts. But walks have always been an issue for him throughout his career. So, okay, that's not great. And I was like, you know what, though? I, I'm kind of doing something very odd with my main dynasty team as far as like just kind of spamming pitching like anywhere I can get it and not and kind of like forget any other part of the game and just give me all the pitchers. And I was like, I'll take the flyer. I'll grab him um, before the start. And that was another thing too. It's like, and he's getting the Mariners. Um, if they have, who you know, a healthy Julio, like, again, that's a dangerous team to play against. But, I, you know, screw it. I'll, I'll, I'll take the chance. And it worked out. Uh, five innings. And I wish I had grabbed the line now. I uh, didn't grab the line. But, uh, what, five innings, six strikeouts, I want to say? Actually, it may be eight. Uh, yeah, that one I didn't catch. Hold on. Quickly, we are quickly scrambling to bring you correct information. I get way too many tabs open while recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but while we while we dig into that, the point being, uh, he looked really well. Uh, looked really good. Excuse me. And um, actually, you know, there, the argument could could have been made that he went five innings that he could have been, you know, going longer, especially concerned that the Houston uh, Astros bullpen ended up giving away the game and giving away a uh, potential first win for him. I think the thing that jumped out to me about France was um, he looked like a pitcher that will give a lot of, uh, a lot of offenses, uh, offenses fits as far as at bats, because even though he doesn't have, you know, big fastball, big wipeout slider, a lot of these, big singular pitches that we look at uh, younger, quite honestly, um, and higher profile prospects. He had, you know, above average command. And specifically, he was able to mix everything in so well. He was able to go, you know, up, down, side, side, both sides of the plate for both left-handed and right-handed hitters. And just being able to just change just eye angles, speeds. I mean, he had guys early on pitches he had guys late on pitches he like there was really no, nothing really looked comfortable uh in any sort of a bat against him and i think that in of itself is um maybe not a skill per se but it is uh something that lends itself whether it be yeah. in real life or from a fantasy standpoint so yeah. i'd be curious and then you add in like well you know houston just kind of churns these guys out like who was from valdez you know a couple years ago yeah. i remember picking him up in 20 20 2021 um that that pandemic year kind of just is is wonky to me but i remember you know bringing him up and it was like he was okay his grandpa pitcher like and then i junked him for some stupid reason and then he's fine valdez now like of course it's just and he was never high profile he was never on anybody's prospect list like that and they just turned guys out like that or kitty very similar um even Luis Garcia, quite honestly, like nobody right. knew much about him uh, yep. until he hit the major league. So they had this tendency where, ironically, their high-profile guys don't necessarily always work out. But it's these guys that are lower in the prospect, uh, in the team prospect rankings, and sometimes not necessarily showing up at all that yeah. they're able to to 
pull it together and make him into a major league pitcher. So, you know, kudos to JP France. And um, I read a, a pretty cool story um, on the athletic. They were uh, with his wife and, and kind of talking about uh, that perspective. So, you know, kudos to him. I'm, I'm curious to see the next start and next couple of starts, how that yeah. look. Um, yeah, I got the line, by the way. Yeah, uh, got that pulled up. Five innings, three hits, one walk, no runs, five strikeouts. Five strikeouts. Um, and then he also, let's see here, 13 whiffs and 84 pitches. That's mm-hmm. really good. Three, 33% CSW, uh, 68% zone contact. So that's solid. It goes along with what you were saying, kind of keeping guys off balance, making them look uncomfortable and whatnot. And he has an incredible mustache. So you love to see it. <laughs> yeah, I always love the guy. Maybe that will be my my sort of like uh, strategy is I got Strider, I got France, and I was just like an all mustache team. Just you like, know who you need to get in that case? What? Austin Wells. I was just watching a double A start for um, the guy that I'll mention later in this podcast, and they, he was facing Austin Wells. Austin Wells, I've never seen him. Like I've never watched tape of him or anything. He yeah. steps into the box, and I was like, "Oh, that's a grown man with a grown man mustache." Holy Wells is, cow! Uh, catcher, catcher for the Yankees, right? And, yes. I mean, catcher for for, uh, for the uh, Somerset uh, Patriots. Yeah, that's for the Patriots. Right You're right. Uh, it's interesting because I know the name, but I, I don't think I've ever actually watched. Somerset, so I'll have to keep an eye out. Um, Dude's big. <laughs> um, just as I, we're going to go quick aside before we go to break, um, I watch. I found myself watching a lot of their high A um, affiliate, um, uh, Hudson Valley, and uh, let me just say I'm I'm not a fan of their catcher, Antonio Gomez. Uh, just about every time I watch, because I, I watch because I have Drew Thorpe and Chase Hampton, ah. so I tend to watch their starts. And almost every time I watch their starts, he is catching poorly. Like there's something. If you saw, if you guys saw the um, sort of blooper the other week of the catcher that couldn't find the wild pitch that was right there on the foul line, that yeah. was Antonio Gomez. Oh, that no. was a Chase Hampton start. If you watch that whole clip, Chase Hampton is not happy with mm-hmm. Antonio Gomez at all. Um, he was not. He was not. And I watched that live. I watched it live. And it was uh-huh. as ridiculous as it looked in one replay. I can um, picture you just screaming at the. At the it was TV just no, I was mad. I was just like, I've literally never seen this. I was mad that yeah. I couldn't record it in time uh-huh. to post it. Like I was like, I literally have never seen something like this. And ironically, I watched Chase Hampton start uh, yesterday on Saturday. Mm-hmm. There was another uh, wild pitch, so it was on Hampton wild pitch. Um, nobody was on, so I guess it's technically not a wild pitch, but pitch that, that got away, and. Antonio Gomez couldn't find it again. It was at the backstop. Like the ball boy had it. Like they they stopped play, obviously, because they replaced the ball. But the ball boy went and grabbed the ball. And Antonio Gomez still didn't know where the ball had him. Anyways, I'm going to get off that man's back before like his family comes and find me. But we're going to take a break. We're coming back. We're going to talk about um, six, maybe seven uh, prospects that we've pointed out. We have a couple different tiers that we've broken them down into. But these are uh, players that we think are going to be on the rise as we go through the month of May and on to the rest of the season after this. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. 
The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And we are back. So let's jump into these prospects. Um, so what we did was we we broke out our, our trustee structure. Um, you guys may have picked up on it now. We like to go kind of six names. Um, to and What we also did was create a few tiers. So we're not just throwing names at you, but some descriptive tiers to kind of talk about the structure behind it. So we have uh, our emerging top 100. So these are players that essentially will be talked about kind of on, on that national level. You'll see in pretty much every prospect ranking there is. Uh, being in that top 100 conversation some of these you know some of these names they might already be for your favorite uh analysts in their top 100 but we're talking about everywhere so pipeline fan graphs perspectives like all the the major places including our own picture list they'll be making their way into that top 100 the next are the kind of top 200 guys so these are folks that are going to be rising um but they're probably a year or so away from like that top 100 piece and or they may also be lacking the the really loud tools in the profile right now. So they may not have the, the pop that's really going to attract, uh, you know, big time attention, but they have the hit tool. They may um, have, you know, one or two pitches, but maybe not that third really um, above average pitch. Um, and then we have our get familiar tier. Um, I wish I had that sound drop from from the mixtapes, but get familiar. Um and these are players that really we think you should just familiarize yourself. They they might uh, they're they're probably going to be multiple years away from actually hitting that like you know uh, potentially uh, proximity to major league debut. They're early in their dev cycle, but they're showing some unique promise in our eyes. So we want to you know put those names out there. So we're going to kind of work backwards. We're going to work from the get familiar group up to that emerging top one hundred. Uh, Jake, I'm going to turn it over to you. Your get familiar guy is yes, cool. sir. My get familiar guy is Ryan Clifford of the Houston Astros. He was a uh, 2022 amateur draft pick. He was drafted in the 11th round at 343 overall um, out of high school. He is currently in his age 19 season. He's at low A uh, for in the Astros organization. Um, and he has a good, you know, good looking swing from the left side, generates a good amount of bat speed. And really the kind of biggest thing that he had to improve on this offseason was, of course, the strikeout rate. It's always there looming, waiting. Um, and he's at around 30 percent in uh, 2022 between the complex league and and low A. And this year he has come out so far and struck out 20.7 percent of the time. So that is a pretty huge uh, decrease there in about the same amount of play appearances, a little bit more played appearances this year. Um, so yeah, in those, in those 116 plate appearances, he has a 179 weighted run screen plus in, in, uh, in the low A there. So he's been, he's been performing incredibly well this year and he's taken a big step forward. Uh, he has a, a one-to-one strikeout to, to walk ratio so far. He's also walked 20.7% of the time and, and he's chipped in a couple stolen bases. So he is, you know, for a 19 year old who's, who's kind of still developing the, the power he has like a low 100s iso right now um I, I think he could develop into like 20 homer power and i think he's showing a, a really good feel for the zone already 
Um, and that that WRC plus number is is incredible so far, too. So I think he's going to start shooting up the boards this year if he kind of can keep going. I don't see why he can't. He's looking really good. And I'm really excited for him. I mentioned to Lamar before the show that I've been trying to snatch up a uh, one of his uh, new release Bowman cards this year um, and get try to get like a, an auto or something from him to kind of hold on to because he's he's been one of my one of my favorites so far. Yeah. Uh, and, and I had mentioned as well. I know I have. Um, a league mate in one of my home uh, in my home dynasty league who drafted Clifford is a big fan. And so we tend to to chat about Clifford when we're seeing some of, uh, you know, highlights and, and clips and things of that nature. And I think um, he was somebody that before the draft I had done a little, you know, just kind of a, a quick pass over as far as, um, you know, reviewing and, and, and prepping for FYPD. And it wasn't until afterwards that I was like, oh, yeah, I can really see the profile like in that system. Right. And with the with the Astros, I can really see why they picked him up and, and how he would flourish both, um, you know, in real life and definitely from a fantasy standpoint. I think your point is really well taken, Jake, uh, really well made, I should say, as far as that him being kind of a quintessential hit before power guy and the power you know, getting there uh, shortly, right? Because he makes such good contact. He makes just really good swing decisions, uh, being able to to get into that power. And yeah, you know, him being a 20 home run guy, he may never be like a huge masher, but I think he is, had the potential to bring value both for batting average league as well as the OBP league, plus the home runs piece. If he wants to, you know, chip in some stolen bases, I don't think anybody's going to say no, especially um, him being, he, he's still mostly playing first base, right? Um, or is he in the outfield as well? Uh, I think he's kind of both. I can okay. go to his. I, can I go didn't know that they, out, if they were still splitting him or if they had him primarily at one spot. But regardless, if he's a corner outfield guy, we'll put it like that. Um, you know, having any sort of stolen bases is always nice. The bar we know for hitting is always higher with those um, players. But I think Clifford is the type of guy that can uh, meet that bar with with unique profile. Um, from the standpoint of, uh, again, him being able to make really good swing decisions, having really good discipline, uh, so driving up that OBP, and then being able to get into, you know, his pitches to, to hit him out. And, yeah, you know, getting into that 20-ish home run standpoint. Yeah, he's been, uh, I, I did just look it up, and he's been mostly outfield this year. He has, uh, looks like, maybe 20 games in the outfield and four at first base. So, Looks like he's, and he's, I mean, he's definitely athletic enough to play the outfield. He's not like one of these like first base only guys that has to be a, a masher, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think that, I think that they'll probably settle in the, in the outfield, I would guess. But, um, but yeah, the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, that's one I've never heard of. I like that. I like Fayetteville, that. Uh, they got the Asheville turret tourists as well. It's part of the Astros system. That's the high team. Um, yeah, they got, they got some, some good, some fun names deep in in carolina houston is um between Asheville, fayetteville and i feel like they have one more i could be making it up um but yeah uh so my guys i i i kind of cheated here and this is why i was saying like six or seven <laughs> and i was telling <laughs> i was telling jake i cheated because the first guy that i picked i like him and he's definitely not a well-known name but when i was trying to think like okay what's his fantasy upside I'll be honest, I struggle to see what the upside is for him. So I'm going to throw this name out there, but with the caveat of um, he needs to develop 
some sort of game power and or some sort of stolen bases to really bring legit value for us from a fantasy standpoint. But everything else looks good. Um, that's Wade Meckler. Wade Meckler is an outfielder uh, with Giant System. He's in uh, high A for them right now. Uh, played at Oregon State for three years. And uh, right now what he's doing is putting up 88% contact rate and putting up uh, 1.327 OPS. Now, that OPS is mostly powered by a 571 OBP. Now, along with that is uh, a BABIP that's over 500. So that's obviously going to come way down as he goes uh, up the, the minor league system. What does that leave us with? That leaves us with outfielder that is mostly corner outfielder, left and right, not a whole lot of center field. Um, again, really no game power. He has, uh, I should have grabbed it. Uh, I want to say it's five extra base hits total, uh, this year, one home run, not really a history of, of game power either. If you look back at his Oregon state days, not a whole lot of stolen bases really at all. So again, this is really like a guy that makes good contact, has pretty good discipline, maybe, you know, some, some fair bit of luck, uh, with him playing at a lower level, uh, as well. And that's kind of it. Now, if some pop shows up, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's like 10 to 12 type home run power, in a deep league, that's a guy that I wouldn't mind having. You know, 14-teamers still don't really care. But 16, 18 plus, it's nice to have a guy like that. Uh, If there's some pop and some stolen bases, now we're really, like, we're cooking with gas. But until then, that's just like, it was a name. You can put it on your deep watch list. Just keep an eye out see if anything changes. So that's one. Another guy that I'll add, and maybe if you combine these two, then you'll really have like <laughs> something significant. So that's Caden Wallace. Caden Wallace, third baseman uh, for the Royals, also in their high A um, affiliate. He has 205 ISO. Now this guy is somebody that can thump. He's got 10 extra base hits in 25 games this season. Also has seven stolen bases. Is a legit third baseman, so he should be able to stick there. Really no moving him um, into the outfield or anything of that nature or to first um, defensively. He, he's he's quite good there. Uh, but some caveats as well. 50% pull rate, 48% ground ball rate. So not necessarily um, without his blemishes as well, but somebody that is very young um, and somebody that I would want to keep an eye on as well, especially once he gets into double A um, just to see if that, uh, power can continue to develop do the stolen bases stick around because again if he's the third baseman that can give you you know seven plus stolen bases consistently that's nice and then can he start to spray the ball around get some more lift as well so i think all those things can kind of work together right if he can spray get away from uh being so pull happy and then we can see that ground ball rate lower into the lower 40s um see the fly ball rate raise into the mid 40s that could potentially bring some more extra base hits and then we're talking about uh, a really well-rounded third baseman um, prospect for the Royals there. So Wade Meckler, Caden Wallace, that's my cheat for get, names to get familiar with. Moving past that, we're going to get into top 200 guys. I'll go first with my top 200 guys because you're kind of, Jake, you're kind of cheating in this section because you got you kind of got a Yeah, I had like five. I was going through and I had like five <laughs> names. And I was like, I'm just kind of pick one. Um, but I'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, so my guy, and it's interesting, though, um, to spoil a little bit that we both landed with pitchers for top 200. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Um, so my 
uh, top 200 person is Ben Brown. Big Ben Brown fan. Yeah. Um, and this goes back to when he's in the Philly system. So Brown did have some injury uh, trouble coming out of uh, college, but uh, getting drafted by the Phillies, you had a draft class or or not draft class, but a prospect class that had uh, him, Andrew Painter, Mick Abel, Griff McGarry, all kind of lumped together. And so obviously last year, Phillies make a trade. They need to show up their bullpen. They get David Robinson from the Cubs. Well, who's the one that's going to go? Obviously, they're not dealing with Painter. Obviously, they're not dealing with Abel. They choose Ben Brown to send on his way instead of Griffin McGarry, which, you know, whatever. Um, but Brown looked really good with the Phillies, looks even better with the Cubs now at AAA. So he was at AA, just recently got promoted to AAA, still continues to look good. 9% walk rate, 32% K rate, 15.3% swing and strike rate. Um, the pitch mix, he's got fastball, the curve looks really good. Um, I was actually just reading an older athletic article from spring training about how he mixed in changeup uh, with the Cubs. They they had him add the changeup to really strengthen that piece. And they also um, had him add more of a sweeper for his slider as well. He did mention that that one is the one he's still inconsistent with, but he's still working on. So you have three strong pitches, a fourth that he's trying to mix in. Um, and what I like about him is, Really competitive on the mound. I like his uh, mechanics. Uh, again, we talked about it before. Very repeatable. Um, come His arm comes through the zone very easily. Uh, as far as his release point, he's a tall guy, 6'6", so he's got a uh, pretty good um, extension and, and release point as well. Uh, and every start that I've seen with him from last year, uh, starts that I watched this year with him at AA, and I did get a chance to see at least the highlights of him at triple a for his first triple a start um it is just again it's just very consistent and quite honestly with where the cubs are i think that he's going to crack their rotation um much sooner than later uh i don't think the end of this month of may but i definitely could see by june uh if he continues to do what he's been doing he's going to be up because they don't really have much as far as starters and they need the arms yeah, I'm looking, and uh, I don't. Drew Smiley, I don't know what how what kind of Kool Aid he's been drinking recently, but uh, what on God's green earth is he doing? Him and, but him he's and been Richard, fantastic. Right? Yeah, he's been fantastic. Um, and then yeah, they have Stroman, Tyone, Steele, Smiley, Wesneski. So, and uh, Wesneski could be kind of the one to go if if Ben Brown comes up and and keeps doing what he's doing. But I don't know. Maybe it's hard to get rid of Smiley if he's if he's performing like he is. So I, mean, um, I think the first injury he could be like the next guy up. You know. Yeah, first injury. But I mean, Smiley is definitely a guy they could deal because I mean they're not they're not going to be competitive and they don't have to keep. A, I don't know. A, the division's kind of open. I mean, that's true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. But I mean, I guess to what end, right? Like, yeah, you might win the division or maybe and like what's the yeah what's yeah. like the actual what are you actually gonna get out of it or yeah. <laughs> So, but I mean, to your point, like Smiley is, is, is making, he's making his bones regardless. Like he, he's doing his thing, um, how he's doing it. Well, that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, yeah, it could be injuries, right? We just talked about with JP France, like, you know, a couple of guys go down for the Astros and boom, France is, is right there to, to, um, get his shot. So it could be something similar, uh, with the Cubs and, and Ben Brown. Um, you're right. Like. Wesneski kind of has to take, he's kind of in that 
almost a Gavin Stone esque spot of like we we have somebody else that we can go to if this isn't working. Yeah. Um, I know that's your guy, but just saying. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's a couple of different paths to the big leagues. Um, this season, I definitely would be surprised. Like outside of uh, you know, outside of God forbid, injury to Brown or you know some really bad starts suddenly. I would be surprised if uh, he's not in the major leagues before the end of the season in some way, shape, or form, even if it's coming out of the bullpen, which I'd be surprised at, but they could do. Um, so, yeah, Brown is definitely a guy. And, and the reason why I put him in this tier, I was explaining to Jake um, off mic as well, is I think because of that proximity, he's not going to have that sort of like stark ascension that we see from certain uh, pitching prospects, especially where it's like he started. Like If you think about perfect example is Ricky Tiedemann, like Ricky Tiedemann, nobody knew. And then he was like top 250, 200, 100. This guy's really good. And it was kind of like every start, every level, he kind of kept going up, 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 up. Um, So certain guys have that trajectory. And then some guys have a trajectory where their proximity, they're going to graduate from being a prospect before they can continue to climb up the ranks. And I think Brown is one of those guys where he could stall out ranking wise at yeah. being, you know, number 180 on somebody's right. list. But, but I think talent-wise, he could be yeah. top 100. Yeah. yeah, but then he's a major league pitcher, so it's right. like he's, he's graduated from being a prospect by that time. Um, So that's my guy. Who are your guy slash guys? So I'm not going to break down all these guys, but I will give you all some names because we could only get to, like, you know, a handful of guys on these podcasts. And so if you're looking for – some double A guys, some double A pitchers to go out and kind of watch and scout yourself. I'll give you some names here. I've, I've whittled down the huge pool in double A because there are there are a lot of of pitchers that are that are showing out in double A this year. So these are my my five favorite, and then I'll break down one of them. Uh, we got Nick Frasso with the Dodgers, Patrick Monteverde with the Marlins, Shane Drohan with the Red Sox, and Roy Bersalinas with the Athletics. Um, and then the guy that I'm going to talk about is Mike Vassell, uh, with the Mets. I just went and watched his, uh, his most recent start against the Somerset Patriots, mm-hmm. uh, six innings pitched one hit, two walks, no runs and seven strikeouts. This is the um, start, right? Sad start. Uh, I think it was the fifth. So maybe oh, okay. Four Friday. okay. Yeah. Um, he, he pitched uh, pretty well. The fastball looked like he had a good life. Uh, sits 93-95. He looked like he had decent command of it, but it left it over the middle a couple times, probably a bit too often, and he just kind of had some guys miss on it. So, um, you know, I think that's like the fastball looks like a work in progress, but he has a sharp slider slash cutter. It looks like he has a couple different variations of it that he can kind of play around with. Um, looks like off the kind of like the bottom corner of the zone, it has more break and then he uses it as kind of like a, like a strike throwing pitch as like a cutter, you know? Um, and then a circle change split finger type action on, on the changeup and then a big old, old hook for a breaker. So, um, He's like deep pitch mix. Looks like he has pretty good command of it. He had a kind of rocky first inning and then just kind of settled in and just mowed guys down and, you know, soft contact and um, got a good amount of strikeouts after that. And, and, and he looked, he looked really good, but I mean, his stats this year have been overall fantastic. He's first in the Eastern league in double a in uh, K minus BB percentage. He has a 40% strikeout rate and a 4.7% walk rate. Um, he's a 3.27 ERA, but a 2.07 xFIP, and that is uh, the second in the Eastern League, uh, an xFIP there. So I like Vassil. He he, uh, you know, hasn't really been a big name. I was just looking at where he was drafted. I think it was like 
really late. And of course I don't have it pulled up anymore, but it was like outside of the top 200, I think. And, um, Oh, let's see here. Yeah, it was the eighth round overall 232 in the 2021 draft. So and he uh, he's made some made of some big strides forward. He kind of came in with like mixed results, uh, 25 to 30 percent strikeout rate, mm-hmm. like eight to 10 percent walk rate. And then this year has just like blown the doors off and really kind of clicked. So. Um, so, yeah, he looks really good. His, you know, everything looks like he's uh like he's pointing the right direction. And then also like, we know the Mets rotation is old, like to, to put it bluntly, like they, they've seen, they said, we're going to go spend all this money, but we're going to go buy all the, all the, I mean, the older pitchers, you know, like Verlander's 40 Scherzer's like 36 or whatever. Both of them have had injury issues already this year. So they, they'll, they'll have some spots, even though like they have great players, like they're not going to be in the league for much longer, you know? Yeah. So I think you can grab, you can grab Basil right now in, in most leagues. Definitely. Uh, the shadow leagues, uh, I probably actually wouldn't roster him on like a 12 teamer. Uh, he's probably borderline depending on how big the rosters are, but like 15 teamer, 14 teamer for sure. And um, I think that he could see the majors probably realistically more like next year, uh, potentially earlier next year. But we've seen some guys pop up from from double A. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. wonder if with the mess specifically, like if he's a guy that um, they bring out of the bullpen. You know, yeah, now uh, he could be that long relief guy, yeah, kind of eat some innings later this year. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, Frasso, we, we kind of mentioned previously, like that. I know Monteverde uh, has been kind of throwing a lot of people for a loop because he's older. Um, I know Chris Clegg is, is you know, put up some some clips and kind of talked about Monteverde seeming like he's, you know, regardless of the age, seem legit, but then you also have the whole Southern league tack ball situation. Same thing with Ben Brown. A lot of people were like yeah. him, Andrew Abbott. How, how real is it? Well, Abbott's in triple a, he's still looking really good. Brown's in triple a, he's still looking really good. Yeah. Uh, Looks like they ball. just kind of had to kind of get used to it a little bit. Their command was kind of like here and there. I think yeah. like, I think, um, was it Brown or was it, uh, I think Abbott has like a 12% walk rate or something like yeah. that. And, and it's like his, you know, two triple A starts, but I think so it's just kind of like adjusting. And, and, and I think that there's been some people pretty vocal about it, how frustrating it is going from one to the other. And um, so, but yeah, that's definitely a good thing to kind of keep in mind is that with the Southern lean specifically is that there's going to be that, that different ball. Yeah. Um, Johan, I know uh, popped up this year. I was not familiar with his name at all. And I, I still haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't done my due diligence with him. Roybur, we should, uh, if you're a deep leaguer, you should remember from last year, uh, yep. from Loe with Atlanta, um, who was blowing the doors off of people left and right. High got to high A and looked like a completely different picture, just really sort of overmatched, got shipped off. Was that part of the. Yeah, that was, was part the, of the deal. Sean Murphy deal. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, that wasn't Olsen. That was part of the Sean Murphy trade. Um, Atlanta just keeps taking Oakland's uh, best player, so I can't keep up with who's who. Um, <laughs> But yeah, part of the Sean Murphy deal, uh, Salinas goes to Oakland, and now Double A started to kind of turn things around, uh, look a little bit better. Um, I haven't actually checked in on watching one of his starts. I need to. Uh, I'm curious to see. Again, I don't like talking about body type and shape too much, but that was another thing that I think was something that was on a lot of people's radar when he was with Atlanta. Was that he was a hefty, hefty guy, and when you have to think about like stamina wise, how how much that's going to last through. Um, uh, starters, even now, you know, the, the modern game sort of modified 
starter uh production that you need as far as innings pitch but you still need to get through innings um right. so I'm, I'm curious like just you know what he's done to develop his body uh and since that time but numbers wise uh Roy Burr is looking kind of back to where he was looking right his a career year. best walk rate right now it's at 9.2 percent which is nothing nothing crazy but he's been sitting at 13 mm-hmm. 14 for his pretty much every every stop before this and so he kind of gained he also gained a little bit on the strikeouts and he's been so much better with the walks mm-hmm. so I think it's really encouraging and we're talking about an organization that has it's the land of opportunity for for young players yeah, right now because listen, there's no one stopping it listen mason miller can do it so can you like anybody yeah. can just grab the brass ring because yeah that is not like yeah. there's a it's not like there's a line uh that you have to really get in as far as uh prospects on on either end whether you're pitching or um from a from a position player standpoint so with that we're going to take another break uh we're going to come back with our emerging top 100 guys uh we promise you it's just one name piece uh, but Jake has somebody who I think is a, a really good call and, uh, and I have my own. So after this, we'll finish up with our emerging top 100. All right. And we are back. So Jake, you have your uh, pick for a guy that you're, you're figuring is going to be solidly within. He might be floating around top 100 ish right now, but somebody you're picking is going to be solidly within top 100 lists across the board um who's your player that you're picking yeah i think that it's going to be uh carlos jorge a shortstop middle infield prospect for the cincinnati reds um and i know what you're thinking the reds have a, a 50 middle infield prospects <laughs> they really but do. <laughs> <laughs> jorge's 19 years old uh, uh there's plenty of time for him to carve out a spot or, or find a new organization or something like that you know i'm not too worried about all the guys that they have because you know how hard they're gonna work out um but yeah he's so he's he's 19 years old he's in low a this is his first taste of uh, baseball above rookie ball this year um and he was he was solid in the dominican summer league in 2021 in the complex league last year uh wrc plus numbers above 150 um but he kind of needed to work on like the strikeout late rate a little bit um didn't have like a huge amount of pop and um then uh still stole a ton of bases he's not super fast and he gets caught maybe a little bit more often than you'd like but i, I think it's going to translate to eventually being maybe like a 12 to 15 steel guy in like the upper levels um so like a little bit of speed there um and then he's improved the strikeout rate this year. Um, it went from a 26.6 last year in the complex to a 22.5 in low A. Um, you know, it's still low A, it's 19, plenty of time to develop. Um, but he has a 152 WRC plus in, in low A so far. And, and I think that he's he's going to be one that um, that just kind of like his stock keeps rising because he's, he's hit in every level. He hasn't really had like a huge adjustment period going from one to the other. He's improved aspects of his game and he's uh, gotten better against lefties too. In rookie ball, he he struggled. He struck out a lot more against lefties. And this year he has improved exponentially against lefties. Uh, I have it here in 23 plate appearances against lefties. He's hitting 421 uh, with four strikeouts, which is about a 17% strikeout rate. So, um, so yeah, made improvements. It's clear that you could see kind of like, where he's he's working on what aspects of his game and strikeout rates improving, getting better against lefties. Um, it takes a good amount of walks, so I, I think that that this guy's the limit for this kid. I think I've been kind of paying attention to him off and on, and being in Cincinnati helped. He was one of the 
kind of guys that I heard about pretty early on. So um, also one thing I wanted to um, bring up with Carlos Jorge is that uh, Doug Gray of RedsMinorLeagues.com did a, f- a fantastic write-up and scouting report of Carlos Jorge back in December. Uh, we can put that in the show notes for you guys, a link to that, so you can go check it out. I mean, all the information you could want on this kid. I, it's it's really cool. So um, definitely check out that link if you want some more information on him. But um, it's been really encouraging for me to see how he's gotten to low A and you know, he's made made his improvements. His approach looks a lot better and he has a good amount of game power. I think for a 19 year old who's still developing that game power, his ISOs have been um, above 230 in rookie ball and hovering about 180 now. So I think that um, there's some, there's a lot of room to, to grow for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, joke, joking aside, as far as about the number of middle infielders in the Cincinnati system, I think um, Jorge was somebody that started to bubble up last year uh coming like you said from dsl into complex ball and um you know always looking for just like we talked about uh in in the previous episode about how we kind of scout for each level just somebody that really just jumps off the page right when you're at the lower levels uh and and he really was fitting the bill um it's interesting i'm trying to find right now uh you were talking about him against lefties um so yeah i mean eight for 19 this season uh double a triple three walks four strikeouts so it's 421 522 579 is the triple slash on that um that's helpful right that's that's good to to see and you know especially as like at at a young age because like you don't see a ton of lefties right early on you know you see more lefties as you go up and like upper minors in the majors but like there aren't a ton of lefties in you know in the lower levels in the in high school or college ball and whatnot you know but it's so i I think it's good to see that early on that improvement um because that's a huge thing like every left-handed prospect seems to come up it's like ah what's is it going to get platooned you know is it going to be is it going to struggle against the lefties like huge strikeout rates or whatever so to kind of have that kind of promising little it's 23 plate appearances but um that's really encouraging i think yeah uh and it's just i'm I'm on his baseball reference page just like some interesting splits uh his home and away split which we almost like never look at when you think about prospects but it's a big one and it makes me think uh it's a big one um with positive towards the homes but and it makes me think um he's playing at daytona right for low a so that's the florida uh well that's rookie ball what is low a would still be oh it used to be golf the gulf coast league right so now it just makes me like want to look at what the park factors are down there just yeah, yeah. Know what's going on so i mean it's just kind of just leads me down the rabbit hole of like um you know what other sort of obstacles are is he overcoming um as a hitter and as again such a young hitter um that you know every little bit kind of helps tell the story even if it's not just the black and white of being able to look at uh wrc plus or or things of that nature it's like you can dig into little bits like what's going on here and oh okay well he's not doing well but he's not doing well because of these things and that's okay that's significant that's good to know so um i like jorge I, I guess my question, and you kind of hinted towards this uh, by calling him middle infielder, like, do you think that he will stick at short? Do you think um, as he gets older, he's maybe become more of a second baseman? And that just slightly changes the the profile a little bit. It tweaks it a little bit, you know, questions to, to have. But, um, yeah, Jorge, I, I think, is a good name 
to know, uh, especially like you said, on the cusp of being top 100, I could definitely see it, especially if he gets a hot, you know, a hot month, a hot May or a hot June. Plus those together, yeah, absolutely, I could see it. Yeah, if you see him maybe get up to high A, kind of second half of the yep. year, and yeah, yep. Um, so and looks like he's only playing second base this year, actually. Hmm, uh, looks like yeah, it looks like he was he was a shortstop, I think, initially. Yes, um, but it looks like they're kind of focusing focusing on second base now. So, so yeah. and I wonder, you know, how much of that is his own, you know, his own defense, them, you know, kind of putting them in the best position to succeed there, but also again acknowledging like, hey, Matt McLean was a shortstop. He's probably going to be more second baseman. Obviously, we have Ellie De La Cruz. That's kind of a shortstop of the future. Um, we have a second baseman that was a former work of the year in Jonathan India. Like, how can we kind of make it this all work <laughs> and make it all appealing for everybody? So, um, Carlos Jorge, and definitely we will have the um, article from Doug Gray linked in the show notes so you guys can read through that. Um, my pick is going to be outfielder from Houston. Uh, again, going back to Houston, Drew Gilbert, um, recent uh, draft pick from University of Tennessee. Uh, I mean, Gilbert, he's probably borderline right now. I think I was looking at um, high upside fantasies, uh, sort of consensus rankings. Now, they haven't been updated, so they're still from February, end of February. Um, but he was already at like one thirty. One, I want to say was the sort of average and I think the highest he was at was like 116, 117. So he's definitely already on the cusp as is. Uh yeah. came back from the dislocated elbow that that ended his season um, you know, very uh prematurely last year, and he's just been ripping from the jump 186 WRC plus um at high A, um 360, 421, 686 is the triple slash, 686s is a slugging six home runs, right. eight doubles, right. four stolen bases. And just to get into like outside the numbers piece, uh, the, when you look at his setup and mechanically his swing power to all fields. So he's not just a poor guy. He can spread with power gap to gap, really line to line, quite honestly, especially as he gets um, older and becomes an even more experienced hitter. Uh, and he has really good bat manipulation um, to get the barrel through the zone and get it through the zone with power. So, um, you know, you look at some guys, especially those uh, left-handed swings, they can get a ball that's down or maybe a bit outside, and they can get to it to make good contact, but it's not necessarily going to be driving the ball. Drew Gilbert has the type of swing, and he has the ability where he can get to that pitch that might be on the outside corner, might be a little bit lower in the zone. He can get to it and and scoop it up and drive it or, you know, drive it the other way. Um, he has the ability to flatten the swing when he needs to, but also he has lift to it. So, uh, yeah, Gilbert, I'm a big, big fan of what he's able to do. Um, he was somebody that I was consistently kind of playing with where I could try to get him, and it just didn't work out when it came to FYPD. But uh, Gilbert, definitely, I could see the end of 2023, like the end of the season, he's definitely, like, I, I feel almost that I can guarantee, which I try to do very rarely, but I feel like you can – Pretty, pretty much put a stamp like he's going to be a top 100 across the board any prospect list that there is yeah. he's going to be yeah and we were talking about him we were talking about him around fypd season and he was someone who was like okay he was a really great hit tool at tennessee didn't show a ton of power like we didn't we didn't really know what to super expect with his with his power output but this year like you know he's shown fantastic power he has a 326 iso and what I noticed is that he's pulling the ball a lot more than he did last year at low A. He has a 56.1% pull rate and doesn't take it, the ball opposite field nearly as much, which like 
if you're trying to maximize power, get out front slug. Like Mm -hmm. I love that for him, um, for someone who's like, you know, has really good bat to ball skills and is a really good athlete. Like, I don't think that he necessarily has to like sacrifice a ton of strikeout rate to do that either. Like he's a 22% strikeout rate so far, even with doing that. So I think if that is what he's doing, kind of getting out front, like lot lifting the ball a little bit and, and, um, catching it catching it out front and, and hitting homers like i think that could work for him yeah. absolutely and i and i think that's that's the thing too is like if you look at um i was just looking at video of uh, one of his more recent games i think it was from late april but that's the thing is he can be like you said he can be a, a bit early get around on the pitch and drive it but if he is late or if he is again kind of going the other way the ability to still hit it with authority that's the thing that that gets me because he had that's what it was it was a video i want to say it was uh, april 25th or 26th game he had two home runs one home run okay. the first home run it was exactly that um i want to say it was a fastball could be i could be wrong on the pitch um but it was in he gets around on it hits it to right right center right boom like you, you knew it was gone next at bat ball away looks like maybe more of a change maybe it was fastball but it was it was fading away gets to it left center home run like and the swings he was able to time it out he was not um late on the second pitch but he was able to recognize that it was an outside he didn't have to try to hook it he didn't try to do too much just trusting his hands trusting what he sees and he yep. has the, the strength and the bat speed to do it and when you have a hitter like that um you know what i think is if that hitter continues to approve mentally right of just recognizing strike zones recognizing pitches uh, recognizing what individual pitchers are trying to do like what the game plan is where are you going to pitch him right that he becomes that sort of dangerous so you you start to kind of like forecast where gilbert is in a couple years and it's like uh i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna kick myself for saying it because i really shouldn't but if you think about kyle tucker Right, if you yeah, it's always Kyle Tucker. It's always right? Kyle Tucker. <laughs> That's what you're in Houston, right? It's always Kyle Tucker. I know, but it's it's that sort of thing, right? It's just like yeah. you just see, and it's like okay, he gets to a point where it's just like okay, where are you going to pitch him where you feel comfortable that he's going to that that he's not going to make good hard contact, right? Where he's oh, you know, we, there's certain guys that you you know, like oh, if I pitch him here and he swings at it, he's going to roll over. If I pitch him here, he's not going to be able to hit it at all. If I pitch him here, he's going to get under it. So I feel I feel comfortable if I hit my spots. And then there's guys where it's just like I, I'll give him my best stuff. We'll try to mix it up. We'll try to change up. But if he's get if he's getting to it and he puts a good swing on it, it can go. And Gilbert has that sort of potential already right now. It's just a matter of keeping that uh, keeping himself healthy. Obviously, the um, elbow injury was kind of a freak injury. It was you know he crashed into a wall, dislocated elbow. It happens. Um, but you know keeping himself healthy and just continuing to build that mental. Uh, awareness and that mental ability so um i like jorge uh carlos jorge as being a top 100 guy like drew gilbert being a top 100 guy definitely by the end of the season for both of them um so those are our names and those are kind of our tiers i hope that that's helpful for you to consider uh players that you might be pursuing uh if you're in a deep league players that you might want to start being mindful of if you're in maybe a little more mid to shallower dynasty league and then some names that you definitely should be knowing if you're in really any sort of dynasty league and you know some guys to circle when it comes to redraft they're not there yet but um these are names that could definitely move fast like you know 
who knows with Jorge, especially if there's a deal, you know, any sort of trades with the Reds could open up spots. Jorge could find himself, you know, hopefully they don't do a Jose Barrero situation with him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jake. I didn't mean to. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't mean to invoke that name, but uh, yeah, we don't yeah. rush him too fast, right? Um, but you know, there's there's potential that you know he moves very quickly through the system, and the same thing with uh, Gilbert, even more so, I would say, because if you look at the Astros outfield, like that's been the one thing that they've never really had it all locked up at the same time after Springer left, right? It's after like, Springer, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, we got Tucker and right. They were feeling confident about having Jordan and left. And every time he runs, I'm like, don't break, don't <laughs> break, don't break. Um, he made a really good catch in the game last night, though. Uh, so kudos to him. Uh, and then center field has been kind of a revolving door. Like Jake Myers, Chase McCormick. Um, uh, they had uh, Corey Jokes, I think. Uh, was mm-hmm. playing well. He was up playing left while Jordan was out, and they had moved guys around. So it was kind of like they've never had a like center fielder that they're like good on. That's definitely going to stick. So you know, potential for Gilbert to move fast as well. We'll see. With that being said, that's the podcast. I hope again that that was hopeful, uh, helpful. Excuse me to you all. Um, as always, want to let picture uh, listeners know that you can find this podcast and all of our picture list pods on the picture list network podcast page they're all available in the podcast section of picture list for define listen and subscribe uh you have the pictures to stash article jay coming out anything yes, sir anything outside of that to promote no just the uh, go follow our new twitter account pl on the farm yes at pl on the farm uh we'll be tweeting out uh all of our new uh, episodes every week so you, it's another place for you to find new episodes if you are not subscribed for some strange reason uh but you know interact with us if you have questions that's the place to send us your questions like i said we'd love to do a mailbag episode and collect your questions uh to to respond to them all in one recording one episode and uh, as always you can find us on twitter at inside fastball capital i capital f and you can find me on Twitter at Jake Mache, M-A-I-S-H. And with that, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day.